Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. You could spend the weekend doing the same old whatever, or you could conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. Hey, what's up? Hello, everybody. Welcome back to Roll Pod, an Alabama sports podcast from Bama 247. I'm Cody Goodwin here, joined today, as always, senior writer 247 Sports. It's John Talty. John, how you doing on Sunday? Doing great. Excited to talk to you like uh, like we usually do on Sunday. Look forward to it every week, Cody. We are, well, today maybe not because we got to have some, not, not like super hard conversations, but we might have to have a few tough conversations about this Alabama football team. Uh, we're one day removed from the Tides' 24-21 win over Arkansas. And before we dig into the game, we should probably start with this. Alabama coach Nick Saban warned us all week about the idea of complacency, right? Last Monday, he talked to us about how tough this Arkansas team was. On Wednesday, he lectured us on the importance of nothing. On Thursday, he still seemed a little worried that maybe his team wasn't taking this game as seriously after a big road win over Texas A&M. And then on Saturday, it's probably safe to say some of those worries played out at Bryant-Denny Stadium. Alabama won the game 24-21, but according to Saban, the Crimson Tide may not have actually beaten the Razorbacks. John, as someone who has covered Saban for a long time and you even wrote a best-selling book on the man, I'm curious what your thoughts are on Saban's post-game initial reaction on Saturday. Yeah, I mean, I think he was obviously not thrilled about what he saw and how they ended the game. I think he was a bit more forceful than I think we've seen him at other times this season. Not that he was like yelling and screaming. I mean, I think that version of Nick Saban press conferences isn't going to happen for the most part of uh, this stage of his life. But you could just tell you could read read between the lines and see that he was not thrilled about how they ended. I think he was concerned about it all week, as you pointed out. There are multiple comments that he made that to me and others who I think have been around him implied practice was not going the way that he wanted to. We asked some players about it after the game. They gave us mixed answers, um, which might be telling in its own right that they did not think there was a problem. And Saban obviously, I think, did. But, you know, I, I think he, in his answer about, I think it was a, Jeff Spiegel asked a question about it and he was kind of like, well, like you seem to get it. So I hope they get it. You know, and I think he's hoping that there was, you know, a, a learned lesson from this game. And I think that is that you can't, you know, be complacent. You can't show relief during a game. And I think we saw that they did once they went up 24, six, which I'm sure we'll talk a lot about in a second here. Like they eased off the gas and, they were still able to win in part because Arkansas, while they play very hard, is, is not the most talented team in the SEC. They're winless. They were able to survive. But that's not going to work against some of the other teams coming down 
you know, coming down the pike here. And so I think that's probably in part what Saban's also harping on that, like, you guys found a way to win. We're happy about that. But like, it's going to take more moving forward if we're going to you know, achieve some of the things that we want to achieve. Yeah, no, I agree with that. And um, just the idea that, you know, I what pops into my head, too, is like, I remember, you know, Urban Myers won tumultuous year at Jack, the Jacksonville Jaguars head coach. Right. And he had made the comment somewhere that just like coaching in the NFL is like, it's like preparing for Alabama every week. And so like, I think of like, you know, even though the sec may be quote unquote down this year, maybe compared to other leagues, like it's still the sec. There's still a lot of really good players on all of these teams. And, you know, for Arkansas, the case is probably KJ Jefferson, right. And we'll talk about this too. Like he, there were a couple drives late in the game where he put his cape on and he was the KJ Jefferson that we all thought we would see in the preseason. And when you're Alabama and the margin for error is slimmer this year, you can't play with your food like that. Like you gotta, you gotta find a way to step on the neck. You gotta find a way to keep the foot on the gas Um, or games like Saturday will happen, which leads us into, you know, this reaction pod. We always start with our instant reaction. Alabama won 24, 21. They actually trailed early in the game, right? Six Oh, Offense got off to a slow start, but by the end of the first quarter, big play to Kobe Prentice gave Alabama a 7-6 lead. Um, that was the first of three consecutive touchdown drives. They're up 21-6 at half. Um, Will Reichard field goal in the third quarter put them up 24-6, and then that's when things got weird, right? A few penalties on one drive led to Arkansas scoring a touchdown, 24-13. Okay, not the biggest deal, but then the offense punts. KJ Jefferson puts on his cape. There's another touchdown drive. All of a sudden it's 24 21 and we're all thinking in the press box. Okay. What's what's happening here, right? Control alt delete on all the game stories that most of us had mostly written. Um, But Alabama ultimately finds a way to get it done. Big Dallas Turner and Justin Aboyby combine on a sack. Alabama gets the ball back with 519 left in the fourth quarter and run the clock out. Even then, that was kind of, you know, just a rocky way to finish. I'm curious, John, what was your instant reaction or your initial thought after uh, Alabama's win on Saturday? Yeah, it was a weird game. You know, I think just kind of talking about it in the press box while watching it, you know, they like you said, they started slow. You know, you were kind of that's kind of what I expected again for the reasons we talked about earlier. I kind of expected a sloppy start. I feel like that's what we got. But then they figured it out. They turned it on. They had some big plays. You know, they go up. 21 six and then you know and i wrote about this uh yesterday like that drive that ended up in a field goal felt like that was going to be the step on their throat drive right you know they're running the ball just down arkansas's throat it's you know it's 15 i think it's 19 and it's 35 yard runs like it's like wow it's finally coming together and this is the way that i've seen alabama put teams to sleep so many times over the years with nick saban and felt like all right they're going to put arkansas to sleep here but then they hold them to a field goal. And I think that was a big moment for Arkansas. And then from there, just the wheels kind of fall off. I think at that point, I think Alabama only had one penalty. And then you have uh, the Jalen Key face mask uh, that made Nick Saban and Javaris Robinson uh, very upset, uh, to put it mildly. And then you, know, you had a pass interference penalty. There's multiple times where they should have gotten off the field where penalties doomed them. And then Arkansas got some momentum. They got some confidence. And they made it a lot tighter than they should have. So it's just, it's just, you know, I, I made the point like a week ago. This is a roller coaster team. I think that was kind of another roller coaster experience. There was a high of 24 6. There was the low of cutting it to 24 21. And then they're ultimately able to salt it away. But I just, this team to me lacks a killer instinct. Uh, I think that they're good enough to win games. Uh, I think that there's plenty of talented players. But like, they were just, again, you wanted to see a little more from them yesterday when the door was wide open for them to just blow out Arkansas. 
And even Tyler Booker said after the game, when I asked him about it, you know, that after that field goal, like they thought that was going to be the first of many second half points and they don't score another point after that. And that to me is kind of some, you know, indicative of what this team is, that they're not really going to blow anybody out. Uh, they'll be in every game. It's going to be exciting. It's going to be weird. And they're going to win more often than not. But when you give teams opportunities, you know, eventually it can come back to bite you. And if you go back a year ago, Tennessee, LSU, they let those teams hang around and ultimately they lost. And that's, that's, I think, the concern as we enter into those two weeks again, that if you let these more high-powered teams hang around, like eventually they'll they'll get you. Yeah, I I agree with that wholeheartedly. I my instant thought was that this was a weird game, and then the more I've sat back to kind of think about it, um, you know, we've been kind of discussing internally. We've we've talked with Saban a little bit on and off over the year about the just the offensive identity and just how things are confusing. Whether it's the offensive line, just you know, now they've allowed thirty one sacks. The the wide receiver usage, the um, you know, the implementation of more, you know, multiple tight end usage, Jalen Milrose, you know, he can throw the D ball as well as anybody maybe struggles a little bit with those mid, you know, mid range passes. I suppose you could call them over the middle of the field. Um, we're seven games in, I think I know what Alabama's offensive identity is. It is yep. very much a, it, it's a home runner strikeout type offense. Like it yep. is a, it is a live by the three die by the three. Um, and if you want stats to back that up, I got them for you. You ready? <laughs> Alabama is averaging 219 pass yards per game, which ranks 83rd nationally. That's not good. Uh, Jalen Milrow is averaging, you know, in the six games that he's played because he didn't play against South Florida, 232.8 pass yards per game. That's 45th nationally. Um, and yet um, Alabama has 10 pl pass plays this season of 40 plus yards, which is tied for the fifth most nationally. Uh, Milrow has 19 completions. Uh, where the ball travels 20 plus yards in the air. That is the fifth most nationally. Um, he's 61, he's completing 61% of his passes on balls that go 20 plus yards downfield. Like that's the fourth best nationally. And yet Alabama has allowed 31 sacks. That's the fourth most sacks allowed nationally. Um, you can look at it at the run game too, right? They're averaging less than 150 rush yards per game. I think they rank like 73rd nationally in total rush yards per game. Um, they're averaging less than four yards a carry 3.8, which is 96th nationally, like not good numbers. And yet they have 44 runs of 10 plus yards, which is the tied for the fourth most in the country. Like it's very like we are either going to get it or we're not. And we saw that a lot yesterday. I thought you look at, you know, the way that when the offense was cooking, Milrow was seven of 10, 215 yards, two touchdowns. And then he went three of 11 for 23 yards to finish the game, which at one point included eight consecutive incompletions. Um, Alabama rushed for 211 yards when you adjust for sacks. 141 of those yards came on eight carries. So the other 29 carries went for 70 yards. It's not good. Um, I think the best way to encompass this Alabama offense is they had a three-play 75-yard drive that included a 79-yard touchdown pass to Kobe Prentice. Like, think about that. Yeah. Like they, they had a touchdown pass, a play that spanned longer than the drive because they lost yardage on one of the first two plays before, you know, Kobe Prentice got wide open behind a, you know, a botched Arkansas secondary. Like that's the offense you're dealing with, with Alabama this year. And so far it has only cost them once, um, you know, against Texas Milrow threw a couple of picks. 
Um, obviously, Steve Tarskesian had called one of the best games he's probably called all year. Quinn Ewers was able to hit the deep ball. I don't know that he's hit a lot of deep ball since, or at least with the same. I don't know if he has hit any deep ball since. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so like, you know, you play that game 10 times. How does it go? I don't know. But like, this is Alabama's offense. It is home run or strikeout. It is lift by the three, die by the three. Um, they haven't died all the way yet. Um, but if that's the life you choose to live at some point, it's going to come get you. And it's a matter of when, and you look at Alabama's schedule and there's a lot of landmines there that could come get them here in the next few weeks. Yeah. I mean, you're right. It's boomer bust. I mean, that's hundred percent what it is. And I think that's, you know, I think it's frustrating to people that that's, you know, what it is. Um, especially again, go back to after going up 24, six, I mean, just the offense, just, you know, the wheels just fell off and that's part of the, the issue, the challenge is like the, like, who do you trust, you know, when you need a few yards? And, you know, now they were able to win the end of the game and and Milrow was able to get four yards when he needed it. Jace was able to get a first down when he needed it. So there were some guys who were able to do that. But like you said, it's strikeout or home run. And, you know, hey, I like baseball. I like seeing home runs. That's fun, you know. <laughs> uh, but the strikeouts are also very frustrating, you know. And I think that's why fans are frustrated with this team because they have these little spurts where you're like, Oh, this team's fun. You know, like they're cooking, they're making some big plays and like, it's not, you know, it's not boring, but then you have the, you know, there are times where you're like, this team can't do anything. Like it feels like getting three yards is going to be the hardest thing in the world for them. And so I, I don't know. It's, it's confounding. Like you said, it is their identity at this point. We have enough of a track record and precedent and enough results to be like this is who this team is but i don't know that makes it any more palatable like just being aware of what this team is i don't know that fans are like okay with that uh, i'm pretty sure they're not and this is just this is what they signed up for you know this is what this alabama team is going to be this year uh, i don't see a massive change you hope there'd be more consistency moving forward but again i think we've seen enough that, that i don't really you know anticipate that yeah no i mean you look at Again, Saturday's game, they, they kicked the field goal in the third quarter to go up 24 to six. The defense forces a three and out on Arkansas's next possession, but then Alabama's offense, three and out, three and out, three and out. Those nine plays, a combined negative six yards, not great. And in the midst of that, you allow a team like Arkansas, again, that's, you know, penalty induced drive, touchdown. KJ puts on his cape, touchdown. Um, you know, eventually they're going to run into better teams where they won't have a 24 six lead you know, or that's, that's the worry with an offense like this. I guess that's the point we're trying to get across. And now that, you know, we've got all this evidence that suggests that that's what it is. Like that's, you know, it's exciting when you're hitting the threes, but then you go on this dry spell and it's like, you know, everybody's on the edge of their seat, kind of clenching fists. And it's like, can the defense do enough to hang on so far they have for the most part. Um, but again, those bigger games, like that is, that's, it's going to be a tough way to live if that's what they're ultimately going to, you know, what they're going to have to do. For sure. The offense overall, um, statistically, it looks like a pretty good game, right? 415 total yards of offense. Milrow finished 238 passing yards, had two passing touchdowns plus a rushing touchdown. Uh, Jace McClellan rushed for 83 yards. Roydell Williams had 68 yards rushing. We got to see both uh, Jam Miller and Justice Haynes in this game. Not for very long, but we got to see them. Um, what ultimately was one thing you liked about the way Alabama played offense on Saturday? Yeah, I mean, I think you just hit on what I was going to say because I don't think we've talked that, that much about it yet. I think I like that I saw more of the rotation. You know, I think we saw some of these guys we've been waiting to see. Now, again, you can we just kind of talked about some of the inefficiency of the running game, and that was obviously there. But 
I mean, Jam Miller had a, a big run. I think, you know, Justice was running pretty hard. Rodell had some big runs. Like, Jace obviously did his thing. Like, I think it was just the power of the room. I don't think we've seen it as much this year as we expected to. I think that was a big offseason storyline of, you know, we're, I think Tommy Reese even said that he felt spoiled based on the running backs they've had. And we've mostly just seen Rodell and Jason. I don't think that outside of, you know, how Rodell played against South Florida. I don't know. Either, either one of them has really blown me away. I mean, they're, they're fine. They're, they're perfectly fine. They're obviously, they're, they're you know, good enough to be, you know, running backs in the SEC, but they're not dominant, not necessarily the most efficient. And so I like that we got a little taste of some other guys. And I think at times that that rotation seemed to be working, you know, where they're rotating different guys in and they're able to, you know, uh, have some 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 positive impact in the game. Yeah, I think we we got to see them, which I agree that was exciting. Jam and Justice specifically, because we've seen a lot of Jason Roydell this season. But I think we also got to see why we maybe haven't seen a lot of them. Um, you know, Justice Haynes got, I think, just like one series late in the second quarter after Alabama went up 20, 21 to six. Um, and, you know, we got to, you know, he rushed twice for 11 yards, which is great. Like he looked he, he looked OK in the spare moments. But then we also got to see him in pass, pass protection. And that boy got run over. Um, gave, gave up a sack. It wasn't great, or maybe it was a tackle for loss. I forget, but like we, I, we were sitting there in the press box and I think it was Charlie Potter who like said out loud. And I was thinking the exact same thing. He was like, and that's why we haven't seen a lot of justice Haynes this season. Yep. Um, you know, cause Saban's like, he's been outspoken about how, like we've got four running backs. He said enough after the game too, but it's not clicking when we just haven't seen these guys. And it's, you know, it's always in my head. Like he, he wants players who can do a lot of stuff on the field and, when you think running backs, it's like, obviously you got to be able to run the ball. You got to be able to protect the ball. You got to be able to maybe catch the ball, but then also pass protection, right? Just because of the offensive line struggles. And so the fact that Haynes, but I think you his, can argue that all of the running backs have not been great in pass block. No, they haven't. I, I mean, mean I think I've I think seen Jace get blown up numerous times. Yeah. I think, I think, and that's maybe why, you know, we've seen more Jason Roydell than jam and justice is because you know, Saban's just maybe leaning on the veterans, right. Who, yeah. They may still lose in pass protection, but not as frequently as, you know, a Justice Haynes. Like Saban made the comment, you know, in his week of frustration leading up to this game that like younger players who may be frustrated with their roles right now, it's like, look, like when you get on the field, like that is your audition to get on the field more. Like you yep. need to succeed, maybe yep. not in all facets, but majority of the time. And while Justice ran the ball well, um, he got blown up in his one opportunity in pass protection, and that's not going to look good on film. And that's something no. that they obviously need to keep working on if he wants to see more opportunities. So, because I think a lot of us want to see him more, because he may be the best true running back of the bunch. I but agree. that's been my take for a while. Yeah, yeah, but you know, we're, we're not going to get the opportunity to see you if you can't do some of those little things right. Um, you know, sure. and especially this year with the offensive line struggles, um, pass protection is obviously a really big deal. Um. I liked, uh, I, I liked, I, I'm harping on this. I've been harping on this because I hate that they keep using a ton of different receivers and there just seems to be no cohesion to like how, you know, rhyme or reason as to why they're using the receivers when they're using them. Um, they seem to have settled on a few. They seem to have settled on Burton. They seem to have settled on Isaiah Bond. They seem to have settled on Malik Benson. And then the first two guys off the bench seemingly are Kobe Prentice and Ja'Cory Brooks. And I like mm -hmm. that they may be, maintained that through this game kobe prentice obviously had a really big reception jermaine burton had another big downfield catch amar Nyblack scored another touchdown he seems to be the go-to receiving threat out of the tight end room which makes a lot of sense um you know i so i guess i liked that you know game to game we've gotten a little consistency out of the receiver room um you know and all these guys are big downfield threats but you know like we've said before there's only one ball there's only so many snaps um yeah 
you know, so I guess I, I guess I like that. I don't, you know, I I was with you. I agree with you. I like that we got to see some of the younger guys, even if they also showed us why we maybe haven't seen a lot of them, the ru- younger running backs. Um, you know, I, I was glad to at least see them get on the field, even if it was only for a few plays. For sure. Uh, what was one thing you did not like about the offensive performance? I mean, offensive line, man. I mean, it's just, it's a mess. It just it's not is. not great. I, mean, I don't, uh, I mean, it's another one where just like, I think we all have to accept that whatever we believed in the preseason is not what this is. It's just not. I mean, they're just they they are not going to be what we thought they were going to be. We have to accept that. They, I mean, your boy Caden Proctor got blown up multiple times. Um, yes, he did. There's seems to be a snap issue every single game. Now that's not on the offensive line. I mean, I think it's a combination of Milrow looked like he kind of took his eyes off of it. And it was like kind of like a combo of like not a great snap. Miller wasn't paying attention, but like, I don't understand how it happens every game. Um, I think fans don't understand how it happens every game. That's frustrating. Uh, I mean, there are other guys who made mistakes. There was, was it, I think I was down in the field, so I kind of missed it, but like, was it a false start penalty on a kneel down? Is that what it was? Like, I don't know how that happens. Um, I just, it kind of just boggles the mind. I don't want to like be overly negative about a bunch of college kids, but like that just group is just not, what we it's just not good enough it just isn't and it's going to be an ongoing challenge of like can that group do enough to not only protect Jalen who just never seems to be that comfortable uh in the pocket and then can they do enough to create holes in the running game and they've shown us spurts again you go back to that one drive where it felt like guys were running hard they were getting big gains like all right this is uh, they're finally dominating a team. Let's see it. And then just after that, they never did again and they've kind of fell off. So it's, it's confounding. They've obviously, they've rotated different guys in. doesn't seem like any of it's necessarily worked. I don't feel like there's great continuity of that group. Um, I don't know. I mean, we could probably talk about them every single week and I don't know, maybe, maybe our listeners are just going to get bored about hearing about it every week, but like, I just, I don't know every week. It's just like, I don't know what's going on here. I'm I'm tired of writing about him. Like I ended up writing about him after yesterday's game, and I I wrote the story in a way some some inside sports writing baseball for people who are listening. Like I wrote the story in a way that hopefully I don't have to write about them again. You know that just like we're seven weeks in, they keep struggling. It's not just like left tackle is obviously a glaring issue, and yesterday it was the issue. You know, like Caden Proctor played forty snaps at left tackle, um, gave up two sacks. Elijah Pritchett played twenty five snaps at left tackle gave up three sacks like that was sometimes. And I think it was JC Latham who said it early last week. Like, so, you know, everybody can play really well on one play, but if one person screws up, it blows the play up. And yep. on Saturday, that was left tackle, left tackle blue. They just, they, they screwed it up and there were more plays than not that were at the fault of the left tackle position. Now they weren't the only ones at fault, um, but obviously they gave up the big plays. Um, you know, Seth McLaughlin, I, you mentioned the the snap issue, which seems to be, you know, check that off your Alabama bingo card every Saturday. Um, you know, on the rewatch, I'm kind of curious to see how, you know, were they able to use tight ends? Cause I know that Caden Proctor has gotten a lot of help recently, or at least in recent weeks, like having a tight end next to him to help with chip help or the running back immediately going to his side to help with chip help just to, you know, even get an extra hand on it. That's helped him quite a bit. Did that not happen yesterday? Initial watch would suggest no, because Landon Jackson had himself a career day with three and a half sacks, all of them against the left tackle. Like, you know, it's 
it just I agree with you. It is what it is, and it's frustrating, but like that's part of the home runner strikeout vibe of this offense. Like if the left tackle doesn't have a good snap, it could be the end of the play. And um it's just it's weird. I it's it's so weird just because you don't expect that from Alabama's offensive line. You expect them to be a lot coached better. You expect them to know just to just play a little bit more fundamentally sound, to be a lot faster than they have been. And just the fact that they aren't is just so it's mind boggling. It's so bizarre. And at this point, you don't you I mean, the first few weeks we were wondering what what are there ways to fix it? Now that they're seven games in, it's like this is this is more of a feature than it is a fixable bug. Like this is just part of the offense. The left tackle is about living with it now, you know, yeah. like the there's not a massive cure out there. We've seen them rotate multiple guys in. Um, I, there hasn't been a mass. Now, again, I've seen this in the past with with Alabama, and I think that it's still possible with this team where I wouldn't be shocked if whether it's against an LSU and Auburn, if they make the SC championship against a Georgia, like where it all clicks one day and they have a great game. Like, I think that there's still the individual talent on that group that they could put together that great game um, if they're focused enough and if they, you know, pull it together. But week to week, I don't think you can expect that with this group. You just, you know, you just, you can't. And uh, I don't know. It's, uh, it's confounding. You know, they've, they've had, but the thing is it, They've had issues for years now. I mean, you go back to, I think the last, at least the last, I would say the last three seasons, I don't feel like Alabama's offensive line has lived up to the hype of previous offensive lines. I think 2021 in particular was not good. Uh, last year had its moments of up and down. And then this year, like, I will fully admit that I bought into the hype and I thought they were going to be a lot better this year. And they are not. And, you know, they are on record. I mean, they're they're on pace to give up the most sacks for an Alabama team since they started recording sacks as a statistic that's kind of the pace they're on right now and that's that's uh, not great yeah I was gonna say that's not good Cody (laughs) that's that's not that's not great although I guess you know we've been cracking jokes and I don't ever want to see coaches lose their jobs but like you know if things keep trending downward for Arkansas does Sam Pittman want to come in and be Alabama's offensive line coach next year um if Iowa can't seem to average 25 points a game, Brian Ferentz, who for my money, one of the better offensive line coaches in the country might need a job. You know, there's, there's the Saban Ferentz Belichick connection yeah. there. Like, come on, come on through the Nick Saban coach rehab car wash for a couple of years and, and, you know, get back up on your feet before we send you back out into the real world. But, and what's interesting and like, you know, I've never even talked to Eric Wolfer before because they, you know, we don't get to talk to assistants. Um, but he came with a good reputation and you talk to guys who've been around the program, uh, recruits, things like that. They all really like him. They think he's a really good coach. Um, you know, I talked to some people who kind of saw the shift, like before he was there as Doug Marone, you know, the former NFL head coach. And he got blamed for a lot of issues. Didn't seem like a great fit. I think people were very excited to get Wolford and, and thought it was an upgrade and just how he handles players and talks to people. Like there's all the, you heard all this positive stuff about, you know, the upgrade. And I think all that is probably true, but like the on-field results are not any better. And so I don't know, again, is it, do you put it on a coach? Do you put it on the program? Do you put it on recruiting? Do you put it on development? Like there's all these different issues that I don't know if anybody can truly answer them. Maybe Nick Saban can answer what he believes to be the issue, but it's probably a combination of a lot of them, but it's just kind of interesting. I don't know if fans have turned on him yet the way they did with Doug Marone, but just from all the positive vibes about getting this guy and how great he is. And then just where the offensive line is, it's, it's still, still a mess. Not been great. 
not been great. Um, for those who couldn't pick up on that, that was also the one thing that I did not like about the offensive performance, <laughs> just the consistently poor play from the offensive line. I don't want to write about it anymore. Um, I hope they play better so that we don't have to write about it anymore. Or maybe we write a story about how they figured it out. We'll see. Maybe. I don't know. I, I'm at the point where it's like, I'll believe, I'll believe what they say when, when I see it. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Defense. Defense played, for the most part, another good game. I think they've they've become the, the steady, reliable part of this Alabama ship this season, um, even with the, you know, late couple of possessions for Arkansas later in the game where they gave up 15 points. Um, for the most part, they I, they still played really, really well. Only allowed 250 total yards of offense. Um, Arkansas went four of 14 on third down. They racked up five sacks. Um, just another, you know, the defense seems to be pretty steady and consistent and has been steady and consistent all season long. John, what was one thing you liked about the way the defense played against Arkansas? Yeah, I thought they were aggressive. I liked the pressure um, that they that they got on KJ. And I don't know, maybe I'll just kind of get into it now. I, mean, I think that if I'm going to say something that I don't like, it's just the inability to finish on some of that stuff. And, you know, uh, I think Nick Saban called it one of the most impressive things he's ever seen, the way KJ shrugged off Terry and Arnold but I mean they had some direct shots on KJ and it speaks to just KJ too I mean but I mean, there was one play where I feel like he took like three or four shots and was still standing up it's just like I don't know how this guy is doing this but also like you know you got to put him down and so I think that would be it's a minor knock I just think that there was there were some opportunities there where they could not wrap him up and not finish him and obviously that one play where Terry had a just direct shot on him and he couldn't take him down led to you know, a big play for Arkansas and ultimately a touchdown. So that would be kind of the, the didn't like aspect of that coin. But I think the thing that I liked is, again, we've talked about it a lot in the show in the past, guys like Dallas Turner, Chris Braswell, like they're just really good and they're making an impact on the game and it creates, you know, real challenges for opposing offenses. And it's, you know, we, again, we wanted to see that this year. We really wanted to see how these guys were going to step up with Will Anderson gone. And I think they've really blossomed uh, with him being on gone to the NFL and, I mean, I can say it every week, but I think those guys always impress me. Um, and I, I think that's, you know, again, kind of the good and the bad of that. That's kind of same, uh, same kind of token. Yeah, I think we I, I like that we got to see a few more depth pieces in this game. Part of that was just the way that the game went in the first half and Saban was able to sub some younger guys in. Um, you know, we got to see uh, a little bit more Jamarian Latham. We got to see some Damon Payne Jr. at nose tackle, um, you know, to give big Tim Keenan a little bit of a breather. He played 13 snaps, thought he he had some good hustle plays in there. Got to see a little bit of Christian story. He struggled a little bit, but like the fact that he was able to get on the field, 
and, you know, just get that, you know, this is what SEC speed feels like in a live game. Um, I thought that that could be beneficial for him. I really liked the way, especially early in the game, Quandarius Robinson was just kind of flying around making plays. He ended up with six tackles, had a tackle for loss. Um, you know, he just always seemed to be hit a really good stick on the, I think it was one of the kick returns, Yeah. Um, you know, kick Big return hit. coverage or punt return coverage or something like yeah, that. Like he just, return. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, wrap up and run through, like, that's exactly what he did. Um, it was fun to kind of see him run around and make plays. Um, you know, I thought for the most part, um, you know, just the, the sub, the substitutions that they had to make for, um, you know, Malachi Moore being out, you know, so they start Terry and Arnold at star, um, you know, Christian story got a few snaps there a little bit. Trey Amos didn't really look like that big of a liability at the other corner position. So it's nice to have some depth there. I know he was a transfer, so he's played quite a bit, but, um, it was good to see him in live action. Um, you know, that sounds like from what Saban said afterwards, Caleb Downs got to play a little bit of star position as well. in some of those heavier sets, um, so that, you know, it was good to see, you know, the true freshman superstar play a little bit more. I know he had a really bad penalty, but, um, you know, just to kind of see the versatility that they have in the secondary with some of their depth pieces. So when more goes out, it didn't really look like they missed too much of a beat. Um, I thought that that was really nice. I, the one thing I did not like was just the, so the, the penalties, um, on Arkansas's first touchdown drive, right? Jalen key gets hit for a face mask. Caleb downs gets hit for pass interference. Both of those plays are on third downs. Yep. I don't so much like, obviously I don't like the penalties. What I didn't like more was the response afterwards. Yep. Um, so like Jalen key gives up a face mask, which on the initial watch, I thought I didn't think it was like a huge, huge call. I'd be curious to kind of see how I view it after the rewatch. Um, but that was on third down. So that moves the chains for Arkansas. And then after, you know, after that, it's, you know, gain a two on first and 10 and then a nine yard gain. So first down and then incomplete on first and 10, but then a 22 yard gain on second down. So they move the chains again, then first and second, then the penalty and then a touchdown. So it's like they didn't face another Arkansas didn't face another third down after that penalty. And then the one time they did, it was another penalty, right? Um, I'm not going to blame the defense so much for the second touchdown drive because that's just KJB and KJ. Like he's still a really good player. Um, and he just put his cape on and made a few plays and Arkansas scored. And I anticipated that that was something that was probably going to happen at some point in the game. Um, but I, yeah, I, the penalty, whatever it was, the response after the penalty that really bothered me that they just kind of, not so much that they shut down, but it's just like, you know, instead of just kind of continuing to do what they had been throughout the rest of the game, Arkansas was able to find a groove and get some chunk plays. And that ultimately led to another penalty, which is what led to the touchdown. That's, that's really the thing that bothered me the most. I think they could have settled in and just played the way they had been playing. And then, you know, if they're able to get off the field again, three plays later, how much are we talking about the penalty? I don't, I don't know, but that's, that was what was frustrating to me. And it's something that Saban talks about a lot. And I feel like he's talked about a lot recently. It's like that resiliency, right? Like something goes wrong. How do you handle it? How do you react? And to your point, they didn't react well. And what should have been, you know, a game that turned into a blowout suddenly became a game that was very close. And that's, you know, that's a big part of it. Um, and again, I, I just, I don't fault the defense much because I think it's the strength of the team. But, you know, that key, you know, key's made a couple mistakes, I would say, this this year where it's, you know, he's in a new system for the first time, all those kind of things. And, you know, maybe there's just some some ongoing challenges there, but yeah, that was not uh, not ideal. Not great, not great. But I'm I'm in agreement overall. Thought the defense played really well. Um, KJ's going to do what KJ's going to do, but you know, for the most part, they they did their job. The defense did. 
There were a lot of plays made in Saturday's game that ultimately dictated the outcome. In your opinion, John, what was the play of the game? Well, I know what yours is, and I like that one as well, but I'm not going to pick it. I'm not going to do that to you. So I'm going to go <laughs> with uh, Kobe Prentice. Uh, I don't, I mean, it's not that even that he did anything that special. I think there was a bust. But again, the, you know, being down 6 nothing sloppy start you're kind of like oh boy what are we in for now i think the excitement the strike the wide open nature to go up seven six get the crowd into it and then that seemed to really spark the offensive run that we saw after there so i thought that was important you know kobe's a guy who i've liked i don't think he's necessarily been utilized to the you know to the peak of his abilities or capabilities i, I would like to see more of him moving forward and i think it was just good to see him uh you know, be able to capitalize on a, you know, a, I guess a blown coverage from Arkansas to to get open like that and to to make sure they got points off of it. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. That really kind of that injected some juice into what was kind of a sleepy Bryant Denny Stadium. It it kind of woke Alabama up quite a bit. Um, I think even Milrow was a little surprised at how wide open he was. I mean, they what they put if I remember right, they put three receivers on the right side. Um, Kobe ran like kind of a quick in and up. Um, but then, like, I think it was Benson who was coming over the middle, so that kind of forced the DBs to make a decision, and very clearly they made the wrong one. Um, so Kobe's wide open downfield. Nobody's within 15 yards of him. And I agree with you. Like, I, that was exciting, one, because obviously it jump-started the offense. But two, like, that's a guy that probably needs to see the ball more. Like, that's a guy right. who, when he can get into open space, he can make a few guys miss. And, you know, it's not, you know, burner speed, but it was clearly enough to, you know, hold off incoming defensive backs to finish the play and score a touchdown. So that's I'm agreement. I'm in agreement with you. That's a really good play. Um, obviously very crucial into Alabama's offense ultimately started playing uh, my play of the game, obviously the the sack on the third down to kind of stop the bleeding. And, you know, ultimately Alabama got the offense back and ran the ball out, but that was a combination of Dallas Turner and Justin Boygbu, who I thought both played really well yesterday. Um, you look at some of the, the final numbers. They think they both finished with a half sack that half sack um, Dallas Turner had four pressures. Um, Justin Aboigby had a couple pressures. He's been a very, very, now that he's back healthy, right, after missing all of last year, he's been kind of a welcomed veteran presence on the defensive line, um, especially at the end position. I know that we've we've talked about this, you know, at various points throughout the year, but like the defensive front seven has been just very, very good in terms of obviously playing the run, but also just so many different areas and players that can rush the passer. And Justin Aboigby has been part of that. He's been very good this year. Um, you know, and especially in a moment where, you know, Alabama needed a playmaker or two to make a play, a boy being Turner stepped up on a crucial third down, got the ball back to the offense and the offense for however rocky that final drive was, they were able to put it away and take the air out of the ball. Um, you know, you need your big time players to make big time plays in moments when your team needs them. And both Dallas Turner and Justin Aboybe came up big with it. And I thought that was obviously very crucial. Absolutely. I mean, could not agree more. There were a lot of players that made a lot of key plays that determined the outcome of Saturday's game. In your opinion, John, who was Alabama's game MVP? I mean, I, I think you mentioned a couple guys that would certainly warrant consideration. Uh, again, I don't want to copy what I think is going to be your pick. Um, <laughs> there's no, there's nobody that really, I think like blew me away. I mean, again, I think the defense did well. Obviously Dallas Turner has been really good and I think he's done well. I mean, I feel like I've fallen into the Jalen Milro pick a few times here. You know, he didn't, Miller necessarily didn't do anything bad. I mean, I guess if you look at some of what he was able to do, you know, especially being able to, you know, again, put it away at the end, getting the, being able to get those four yards, um, 
so I don't really feel good about that pick. Um, but especially given the way that that kind of that third quarter stretch, fourth quarter stretch went, even how inefficient he was. But I, I guess Jalen's my pick. I, I don't know. I don't feel really, I don't feel particularly good about it. <laughs> I think you know. I think the case there is that you know the and it's. I mean, it's just one play i guess but like the fact that he was able to kind of overcome a lot of you know a really long stretch of poor play um you know where he he got sacked quite a bit eight straight incompletions the offense just very clearly sputtered in the second half after the will record field goal um just you know the fact that okay like you've got the ball back you need to make probably two or three plays to put this game away and then he found a way to do it. Obviously, there was the four-yard run, but he also, like, I made an audible gasp a little bit when he made that kind of, like, almost like a shot put throw to Amari Nyblack on that second down to move the chains and, yeah. um, you know, forced Arkansas to kind of use out their timeouts. Like, he made a couple of timely plays after a really long stretch of poor play. Um, so I think the case for him as game MVP is, like, hey, he overcame a lot of stuff and, and did what he had to do to ultimately close the game out. So I don't think there's You know, there's one other guy, and I'll shout out Michael Casagrande for this one. But, you know, James Byrne up the punter, you know, I feel like Nick Saban threw a little sh- I don't know, shade his way. I don't know. Like, I feel like he made a comment that was kind of interesting, and I feel like Byrne up played really well. Um, now, if you're an Alabama fan, like, you're not really getting excited about your punter because um, you don't want to see him out there. But I thought he made multiple – good punts um i mean arkansas punter probably outdueled him a little bit but uh he was important i mean special teams <laughs> special teams are important um and so i think you know to our to a friend of the program michael Casagrande, i'd also like to put up james burnup uh, for mvp consideration seven punts and he uh five of them were 50 plus yards his long of 59 he dropped two of them inside the 20 um after we weren't sure if he was going to kick or not um, so I think, you know, I, I thought I found those comments a little interesting too, because it's like Saban was, you know, I think what he meant was that like, he's happy. He's got a guy like Will Reichard if Burnup can't punt, but it came sure. across as like, Will Reichard's great. James Burnup is not like that's, you know, which like, I mean, a lot of us were kind of like, huh? But I get like, I understood what he was trying to say. And then obviously sure. Burnup looked, he looked plenty healthy. I, you know, he, yeah, kicked I thought really he looked well. good. So I want to shout him out as well. There you go. Um, I'm going to go with, I think initially I said before we started recording that I was going to go with Dallas Turner just because he made the play, um, you know, that they needed to make to win the game. Um, but I'm gonna give a shout out to Will Reichert since we're on a special teams kick right now. Um, three extra points made plus a field goal. He's got 486 total career points now, which I believe firmly inside the top 10 in NCAA career point scoring history. And now officially the all time sec career points leader, um, you know, like most of those spots are held by kickers anyway. Although I did find out that the NCAA's all-time scoring leader was actually the Navy quarterback, I think it was, um, wow. who played from 2012 to 2015. So just nothing but touchdowns for four years. Um, Will Reichert's basically on pace to, you know, become the NCAA's all-time career-leading scorer um, so long as they kind of keep their pace through the remainder of the year. I think he's down to like, what's the magic number? He's down, he's got less than 50 points from the top. So you know, now he's all-time leader in SEC career point scoring history, um, which I think is a magnificent feat in itself. Um, and he's trending to be the NCAA's all-time career points leader. Um, so he officially became the all-time SEC leader with his first extra point on Saturday. Um, and now he's just going to continue to add to it and try to chase down the all-time leader. Um, so shout out to Will Reichard. Pretty cool for him. Alabama now 6-1 and overall, 4-0 against league opponents. Still alone at the top of the SEC West. Up next, 
The third Saturday in October, Alabama versus Tennessee back at Bryant Denny Stadium. Volunteers beat Texas A&M 20 to 13 at home on Saturday. They've now won three in a row. They're also six and one overall, two and one in conference play. I believe that game next Saturday, 2:30 p.m. Central Time on CBS. John, what is one question you have about this Alabama team moving forward? They've got Tennessee, then they've got a bye, then they host LSU. Um, believe after that they go to Kentucky, host Chattanooga, go to Auburn. That's the regular season. So pretty crucial stretch coming up. What's one question you've got about the tide moving forward? I mean, can they sustain things, right? I think that was one of the dominant themes uh, after the game. I think it's as we started, it was, you know, not just winning, but beating teams. And, you know, I think it was a a real question after the game. And I remember, I think you were over there with me talking to Tower Booker. And he's like, you know, I think if I think we can dominate teams. And I think I think my question was like, like how, like what, like what, like what do you need to do to be able to dominate teams and not in like a rude way, but just kind of like, all right, give me the, give me the playbook, give me the blueprint. How do you do it? And, and it was classic Nick Saban type answer. Like, well, we got to just sustain it for 60 minutes. We got to execute all these different things. Okay, cool. And I think that's what we want to see is can they sustain it? Cause there's these, again, not to belabor this, but there are these spurts where they look really good. And then there are these spurts where they look really bad. And can they, there has not been, I think a, a real complete game, yet that we have seen either they start slow or they fall off late or whatever it is like i want to see a game in which you feel like you're really getting alabama's a game from start to finish so the level of competition is is going up uh tennessee and lsu i think in many ways could make or break this season for alabama as we all know they lost to both of those teams last year and which knocked them out of the playoff race so there's plenty of you know if you want to believe in revenge factors there's plenty of motivation both games are at home. All right, let's see it. Let's see what this team has because I think that's we're at that point in the season where I, I think you gotta you gotta start elevating your play. You gotta start. This is the time where you want to start peaking, and we haven't seen it yet. So we'll see if maybe playing a better, bigger name opponent brings that out of this Alabama team, or they'll continue doing what they're doing and they'll probably end up getting bit by it at some point. Yeah, I think the you know the the, the question I have is kind of along those same lines. Like, can they sustain it? But you know, to continue to use the you know, the, the baseball or the basketball analogy um, from the, you know, the, the home runner strikeout, the live by the three, die by the three nature of this offense, which is very clearly the identity. Like, you know, you're coming up against better pitchers, I guess, so to speak. And as we saw with the baseball postseason, it really doesn't matter what you've done up until that point, right? We got 90 and 100 win teams going down in the first round of the playoffs. Yep. Um, can you find ways to either keep connecting and hitting home runs or can you find a way to sprinkle in some some singles, some doubles, play enough small ball to get you to those big pitches so that you can continue to hit home runs? Like, can you hit some layups, which opens up the three-point shot a little bit? Like, can, can they do that? Like, that's something I want to see a little bit. I think if they're able to sprinkle in, they don't need to sprinkle in a ton of it. Like, I don't need them to score 60 points a game. But, like, can you sprinkle in enough of it to help open up some of those home run shots that we – know that you're probably going to take. And if you can do that, maybe you can kind of help, you know, the offense find a little bit of a groove either sooner, or you can avoid, you know, three straight three and outs against Arkansas. Like you don't want to see that again against a team like Tennessee or LSU, especially one of the best offenses in the country. Um, You know, can you, can you help the, if you're going to live by the home run, can you sprinkle in a couple of singles and doubles here and there to, you know, just kind of help just, help the offense look and feel a little bit better, right? Like, don't make it so hard on yourselves. I don't know if they will. Um, they've shown that if they are, it's just very few and far between. 
Um, but that's, you know, that's, I guess that's the question I have. I don't know if we'll see it, but maybe, I don't know. I feel like they're going to need little supplemental, you know, hits here and there, so to speak. Um, if they're going to want to beat teams like Tennessee, like LSU, I still think the Kentucky road game after the LSU game is something that they need to keep, you know, keep circled with a red pen or a highlighter or whatever. I think that could be a really tough game. And then obviously finishing at Auburn, um, you know, they're just going to, they're, they don't make it so hard on yourselves because if you keep making it hard on yourselves, at some point you're going to go through a dry spell and it's going to catch up. And I yeah. you know they don't want that. And I know fans don't want that. And if that's what we end up with one game, it could cost them. Yeah, you're right. That is, uh, I believe that's all we've got for this show, John. You got any final thoughts on Alabama coming out of this game? No, I think we, I think we hit it. I think, uh, you know, we'll see. Uh, again, big picture, like this team is it's interesting. It's never, it's never boring. Um, there's even when it looks like it's going to be boring, they find a way to not make it boring. So I have no doubt that when we get together again a week from now, there will be something weird that happens, something interesting, and we'll have plenty to talk about. Maybe we will be talking about them actually beating the other team as opposed to just winning the game. But yeah. um, something tells me that they're probably going to have to do that if they're going to want to get through Tennessee um, and keep this train on the tracks moving forward. But that's all we've got today. Appreciate you all listening. We'll be back later this week to talk a little bit more about the upcoming Alabama-Tennessee game. We'll also take a look back at the news of the week. In the meantime, be sure to rate and review the show wherever you listen to your podcast, Apple, Stitcher, Spotify, even our Bama uh, 247 YouTube page. Subscribe to Bama 247 and 247 Sports. Guys, again, you can get a subscription for a dollar a month to start, then just $10 a month thereafter for the best coverage of your favorite team. Take advantage of that, especially if you're an Alabama fan. Thank you so much for listening again, you guys. We will talk again soon. This is Tony Kornheiser's show. I'm Tony. We expected someone else. So what exactly is the show about? Hmm, I don't know. It's a sports show nominally. Football's over, but we're finally at a point where things matter in college basketball. And baseball season is on deck. Greatest three words in the English language, pitchers and catchers. We have some of the best voices come on and explain what matters or what makes an upset, like Ryan does. <laughs> Nine over eight. No, that's not an upset. No, yeah, it is, Bob. And if you're lucky, I might just tell you about my search for discounted sleep pants or my worries about what my dog just ate. Listen on the Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts.